feel that uh, I'm going to always stand up for my team and for my players and for my organization. Um, everything that happened yesterday is behind us and focus is on today's game and uh, the, the Clippers today. Scotty Barnes, he wants to be great. He does not want to be good. He wants to be great. And he's one of those guys, when you're long enough in this league, you notice certain type of players. And uh, I was lucky enough in this league to, to coach and work with some of the future Hall of Famers of the league. And he has a lot of in common with those guys. Oh, it makes me feel great, uh, I think. It makes our team feel great as well. Um, just know we got a coach that's gonna stand behind our back no matter what. Uh, you know, he's he doesn't care. You know, he's gonna tell it how it is. Um, so it feels great to know that our coach is behind our back and supporting us no matter what. Fan morning show, Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. That, of course, Raptors head coach Darko Royakovich. Scotty Barnes, before the game, uh, after the game, mm -hmm. Not as glowing a report as the uh, the Raptors lose 126-120 in the back end of back-to-backs in L.A. against the Clippers. And Scotty Barnes was good, but not great yeah. in, in the game yesterday. 5 of 10 from the field, 12 points, 1 of 5 from 3. Shorthanded wraps uh, drop uh, a game on the road to the Clippers, who have legitimate NBA title aspirations. Mm -hmm. Looked the part yesterday as they improved to 24-13. and 13, And that, that slow start with James Harden is uh, long in the rearview mirror. Yeah, certainly is. Uh, so is Kawhi Leonard's tenure as a Raptor. Mm. I'll remember you. Kawhi uh, gets a contract extension yesterday, hooks up with Paul George for the dagger at the at the very end uh, of that game. Uh, it You know, there's so much to take away from last night's game, the trip as a whole, but I just want to pick up on how we started the show there. You know, Darko obviously referencing the meltdown he had, rightfully so, at the end of the Lakers game there, but find you someone that loves you the way Darko loves Scotty Barnes. And, you know, I have no problem with this, but it's funny, right? We always do the comparables and the parallels in all the different talk or with all the different teams in the market. And, you know, we talk about athletes being coddled and I don't think anybody looks at that that way. They just look at a coach who clearly sees that, Hey, you can like all the other pieces you have and RJ Barrett really fitting in well, Emmanuel quickly really fitting in well. And Hey, Pascal Siakam, he's still here for now. But Scotty Barnes is the meal ticket here, and it's just I love the way Darko talks about him and the way he builds him up. He didn't say he's going to be one of the faces no. of the league. He said he's the. going to be the face of the league, which is okay. Yeah, maybe. Like th There's been moments this season where you could see it. Um, this is tough on the back end of back-to-backs. Mm -hmm. I guess a very good team and, and, and being covered by well, he's the talking Claw about, and he's Kawhi talking, Leonard. Talking about future Hall of Famers, there's uh, three of them on the other side of the court right there. Yeah. And and the Raptors are in a different stage of their development than the Clippers are. And as I mentioned, they were shorthanded. No Jakob Pertl, who's still out like uh, for an undetermined amount of time, going to be revisited after two weeks. He was out. But Pascal Siakam, a surprise um, scratch from yesterday's game, had the back spasms. Wearing the tracksuit, too, though. And the headband. I guess if I had back spasms, I'd want to be as comfy as possible as well. Yeah. So I feel like a tracksuit pretty comfortable. Yeah, maybe or sweatpants. But yeah, yeah the, the headband did make it look like he was like about to come into the game. Does he wear the headband just in, in normal life then? Like, is that what we should infer from that? I, I thought we left that back in 2002. I don't, I didn't know people were still just walking around and I, I wouldn't begrudge him in that way. But yeah, maybe that's his move. Who knows? So this, this team is, they're two and three through five games. This is very difficult six game road trip which wraps up on Friday against a jazz team that's below 500 but just beat the nuggets yesterday in yeah, impressive well. fashion and already beaten the raptors this this season this is tough man 
we, we talked about, yeah, a potential two and four road yep. trip, that being very acceptable. Three and three, pretty great, and mm-hmm. that's still possible. And and the two losses before yesterday might have been in the hands of the referees on Friday, we know explicitly. I actually did look at the, the last two-minute report from mm. the Lakers. How'd that make you feel? N- not, no better. No, okay, I didn't <laughs> so the, think it would. It didn't, it didn't just say, like, I'm sorry, right? Like, that's all you want to see is, like, that, just, right. I don't need to go play-by-play, play, just like, you know, Adam Silver... Just writing, good, I'm sorry. Good sign on the chest. My bad. Yeah. That's what you wanted. It from, didn't say no, that. So, didn't. no, you, you and don't And you don't want it signed from Adam Silver. Well, and you here, want it signed from Ben Taylor. Here's That's the, the guy thing, you want it signed like, by. There were actual, there's contact being made in the, like the RJ Barrett moving screen. So, yeah, you, you, can, you, can, you can call that an offensive foul if you want. Sure. Uh, and they didn't deem it as an incorrect call. Anyways, um, that was a moral victory, though. That yesterday, there's no doubt that was a moral victory. And I, I thought we were beyond moral victories, and, may, and maybe we should be. Uh, we're still learning about what this team is with R.J. Barrett and Emmanuel quickly. That was, I, there's just no doubt about it that that was a moral victory. Like, they, look at the bench units that were being rolled out yep. in that basketball game. And Jonte Porter playing a great game, his best as a Raptor. Hitting the deck. Yeah, he had a great uh, hit-ahead pass uh, mm-hmm. for the assist in that game as well. Like, they're... We saw some guys we haven't seen very much of this season mm-hmm. uh, outside of garbage time. They were playing significant minutes, staying in this game. This was this was a game until the dying seconds, until Paul George hit a three to, to to put the the Clippers up. I want to say eight in yeah, in, seven, the, in the fourth, fourth quarter. I, that was a moral victory, and I know the the Raptors. We're running out of time here for one the evaluation of this team with Pascal Siakam before the trade deadline, and two. They do want to be inside the play-in tournament in the in the Eastern Conference. They're 14 and a half games back of the Celtics for first, but a game and a half back of the Nets in that final play-in position. Where are you on moral victories? Is it okay to have moral victories at this point in the proceedings? To a certain extent, and I think a game against the Clippers in the back half of a back-to-back when you just had that catastrophic loss that you had the night before. That wasn't catastrophic because you didn't show up, but it was catastrophic because of things you can't control. Uh, When you asked me about moral victories, I think uh, our boy Alex Wong put it perfectly. Raptors remain undefeated since the trade. Three wins, two conspiracies, one moral victory, and zero losses. Mm -hmm. That's kind of how it feels, quite honestly, to me. You look at last night and... You know, we talk about this with other teams in the city. If this isn't the time for moral victories, no, this is still a time. No one wants them. The Raptors don't get in the huddle and go, moral victory on three. That's not what they do. But there's still a time for that, especially while this thing is building cohesion, especially without Pascal in the lineup, especially missing Jakob Pertl, and especially with those three guys on the Clippers clicking the way they did. So if we're if we're sitting here talking about a run of 10 moral victories mm-hmm. in a row, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. But in a vacuum on this one-off at the very tail end of this death knell trip that quite honestly could have been, I think you have to look at it as such. I, I just wish the season could be starting like right now. That, yeah. you, that you don't have the record that the Raptors do have, which is eight games under 500, right? 15 and 23, and that you could replay... At least three games. Here's some of the teams the Raptors say, have lost to this season. after the first game, though, because that first one against the Timberwolves, <sighs> Timberwolves that was fun. Right, yeah, and we didn't realize how good the T-Wolves yeah, were going to be and that's when going to overtime against the Celtics. Like, that that team looks like they have staying power. They're playing some great defense. Mm-hmm. We, we Remember, we talked about how rock-fighty that game was. Turns out that's, that's partly because yeah. the, the Timberwolves are good defensively. Mm-hmm. Anyways, no, not that game. And you're right. There, there are some wins. I mean, they, 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 Mavs, yeah, yeah. yeah, they beat the Bucks this yeah. this season. Okay, right. 
But they have lost the Bulls, Blazers, and Charlotte. I, yeah. I, I just yuck. I you run you run this this oh, version and the of the Pistons. Yeah, well, and the Pistons, sure. And that was a weirdo game. <laughs> Not sure. That's the worst of the bunch. The Not Pistons, sure. The Pist- I mean, that was the toilet bowl yesterday <laughs> as well. They played the Spurs, and uh, Victor Wembanyama had a triple double, his first of his career. You don't tell people as against Pistons. I just want to live in a world where twenty-one minutes, first triple double of his career. Good job, young man. Good job yeah. by you. We don't need to. We don't need to throw the asterisk that it was it's against like the Pistons. A on twenty-point victory over the Pistons. The game before the Pistons had a twenty-point lead and lost by twenty in that game. So, anyways, <laughs> yeah, that that one does stand out. You're right, but yeah, run this. I, I I'm all for moral victories. And and there's nothing wrong with the way the Raptors competed and being in that game to the bitter, bitter end yesterday. It's just like it is – it's tarnished a little bit by the the overall record of sure. the fact that there are eight games under 500. I just wish we could run it all back and and start from scratch with this group because I think they have a very different record than the eight games under 500 that they do. Masai Ujiri just woke up in a cold sweat. He's been dying to hear somebody say, I just wish they could run it all back on these very <laughs> airwaves for the better part of five years now. He's going, oh, finally, they're seeing it my way. Yeah, you're right. It is frustrating. This is... And the I think the interesting part about it, not frustrating because I feel very differently about this year versus last year, we heard this exact, exact same talk. Now, it didn't pan out this way, and I was never foolish enough to believe it, but there were people saying, oh, just wait. They made their Jakob Pertle trade. Don't you wish they could have done this earlier in the year? This is the second year in a row where halfway through the season, you're trying to do your business and building your team. And this isn't the most crucial winning period of the Raptors, you know, window or arc or development, whatever you want to call it right now. So I don't think it is it is catastrophic that they've done it. And obviously you have to look at this trade and give it full marks. But how can you not be frustrated that they have dug themselves such a hole that they now have to find a way to to dig out of. I mean, there's been so much talk about quickly, rightfully so. Barrett was incredible last 10 night. 10 of 16, 4 of 6 from 3, 24 points, and and none of it looks... I mean, maybe the three-point shooting looks like unsustainable, but again, I don't know, year, man. He he gets that open look last night in the fourth. It's a big, big spot. I think it cuts it to single digits, or maybe it gets it to 6 or 7 mm-hmm. at some point. Wide open, not a second of hesitation it barely it barely sniffs mesh. It was so pure. And, you know, I, I don't want to get too astray from the point we're trying to have here, but I was thinking about I was thinking about you watching RJ Barrett oh, last night. Nice. And he, I'm coming around a little more on where you were were at in the start of this. So yes, quickly is the guy we all think is gonna be the or definitely is the more immediate proven asset in terms of what is helping this team. But you know, circumstances matter in every sport. Like mm-hmm. you need to be in the right spot. But in the NBA, maybe more so than any other. You know, I can you can argue football, quarterbacks, all this type of stuff. But a guy being confident and having a little bit of his sea legs underneath him as an NBA player, but now getting to restart his career almost anew, but with this depth of experience that he has behind him. It's and not so, needing to be the guy. It's it is really refreshing to see. And you can I don't want to get carried away, but you can see a world where the Raptors didn't get a really good piece in quickly and, you know, another piece in Barrett, but they might have got two really, really nice starting pieces. You know, I don't know that they're second and third best players on championship teams, but man, those guys are rock solid contributors on one. I, I definitely believe they could be. Yeah. And, and so far for the Raptors, they've been exactly that. And again, like I don't, the three point shooting, maybe you can argue is, is unsustainable. He's shooting over 50% from three. So, yeah. So that, that's, no, that's, that's not going to happen. Yeah. But he has shot 40% 
from three on a not a small sample over a full season in his sophomore year in the NBA. And yeah, like this whole team feels different from a non-quantifiable perspective since the trade. But I, I think a lot of it comes down to him. That guy's got, what do you want to call it? A motor or there you want to call it heart. Yeah. The, this this team had every reason to say, you know what, we're 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 playing Jonte Porter almost twenty minutes, and and you know Garrett Temple's getting into the, the this this game, and McDaniel's. We Wonder how he seen. felt about that. That was probably uh, jarring for him. Yeah, and it's uh, yeah, Thad Young, Dad Young. He's I mean, playing again, so much. <laughs> starting at the five, we're playing without a center against Zubats, who's you know taking us to school every once mm-hmm. in a while, uh, and and this is the back end of back to back against a very good team. Hey, it's not our night. We could, we could just take our foot off the gas and live to fight another day on Friday in Utah against the Jazz. Instead, they battled all the way to the end. And you're right to point out the three by Barrett to, to cut it to a deficit that it did feel like mm-hmm. a comeback was possible in that fourth quarter. So much of that unquantifiable stuff, it's this overall team and it's like the rejuvenation of, of not just necessarily the subtraction of OG Ananobi and not just necessarily the just a, a different look in this starting five, but specifically some players with, with different attitudes mm-hmm. and, and quickly skipping up the court, but also RJ Barrett just like never stops on both ends of the court. And yeah, he had some turnovers yesterday. He had four, but I, I got to say the decision-making has mm-hmm. been, I thought, outstanding. And that in the limited sample I'd seen of him as a New York Nick, that was... That was the knock a little mm-hmm. bit. And even going back to his college days with Duke, where you had such a dominant force in Zion, it was like RJ taking the shots instead of Zion yep. more often than not. I, I haven't seen that. I, I've just been so blown away by his play this season. Yeah, it's been it's been really refreshing to see a guy come in and, you know, especially somebody who is as known to the fan base as Barrett is, right? Like if he was just a third overall pick, we would have a pretty good understanding of what he was as a player. But he's not just a third overall pick. He's basketball royalty. His dad's the GM. Steve Nash is his godfather. He won a bronze with the, with Canada at Phoebus. He won the gold at the World Juniors of, of Basketball effectively when he was on the U18 team there. So this guy has been in so many of these moments. And, you know, I think as a third overall pick, you go to the Mecca and yeah, the team eventually filled itself out with Julius Randle really finding, uh, you know, a role there and Jalen Brunson taking the hold. But there was always a world where he could look around and go, yeah, why, why honestly, why not me? And I think you just have that wealth of experience now and you come here and yeah, I suppose you could say, well, I'm the man, I'm Canadian. I got the right passport. Why not me? But he's just fitting in so mm-hmm. seamlessly. And I, I think the the most exciting part about that or the most encouraging part about that is yes some of it will drop off like the shooting will drop off but i don't see why the maturity would like this isn't some this isn't some guy putting on his best behavior because he was a malcontent in a situation before no this is a guy who just wasn't quite in the right spot and now maybe he perfectly is in one yeah and what won't drop off is his willingness to go to the rim no his ability to get to the rim Mm -hmm. his ability to create off the dribble it's it's been great um, one, except uh, on the scoreboard yesterday, they yes, lost by six. Definitely. And one other, one other thing about that as well is just on a team with, you know, let's just, let's remove Pascal Siakam for the equation. He wasn't in, he wasn't there last night and who knows whether he'll be a part of this going forward next year or not, you know, with Scotty Barnes, especially until we see the full fledged development of him, 
you know, with Pascal Siakam also on this team, you say, okay, things can get a little gummed up. There are a lot of guys who like to have a fair high usage rate, be it Barrett, be it Quickly, be it Barnes, or be it Siakam. But if you kind of remove Siakam from the equation and do another two-for-one trade, I'm not going to say it's going to look like that because, boy, wouldn't that certainly be nice. But, you know, Barnes is a guy who, on nights where he has it, he has ball all the time, and he's a great facilitator. But there are other nights where he's more elite role player Scotty Barnes than he is tip of the spear guy and having guys in quickly and Barrett who can fall back if needed if Barnes is really feeling it and really seeing it that night but can also mm-hmm. take way more of the reins than they might need to on any given night it really just seems like all the pieces for once for the first time since honestly the title team mm-hmm. it feels like the pieces just make sense together yeah but you're right to talk about hey if you can just Again, take one good player, turn him into like two, maybe not as high ceiling as Pascal Siakam. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, and, and get further away. And especially if you're suffering injuries, further away, no f- offense to Garrett Temple uh, or like, yeah, the McDaniels of the world, that that, that would be helpful. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, that was his first game after signing his contract extension, slightly different than William Nylander's eight-year, $92 million. It's three years, 150. <laughs> Uh, that's Eric Spolstra money, baby. <laughs> yeah, so that's a lot. Um, but he's worth it. And he's he's can't, playing he's playing uh, all the confirm. games. Yeah. He's I playing all the games. He's only missed four this season. Played 38 minutes yesterday, 10 of 18 from the field, 29 points. It honestly, it felt like he didn't even break a sweat. He was the robots don't sweat. He's yeah, he was ridiculous. Um Grange and his his piece on sportsnet.ca. You know, I, I think it's the lead actually, talking about how Curious it was. The extension the, the, that day? I yeah. love that. The extension was announced the day of his only home matchup against his former team where he had a, a finals MVP, mm-hmm. one of a couple, yeah. uh, in Toronto. I, I, I don't know. Is Does that ring true to you? Do you, th- do you think there's anything to that? The, 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 the Clippers and Kawhi are like, let's, let's announce this while Masai Ujiri and the Raptors are in town. This is really weird considering the spaces the two franchises occupy in the league right now the guy who it was who won the raptors the title but okay cool good for you let's say let's say they cooked it up in balmer and you know i don't even think Kawhi has this in him but although the free agency showed maybe he has more of this in him than we think where they sit there and they go we're gonna really twist the knife and we're gonna announce it i think every raptors fan looks at it and goes oh, you're gone mm-hmm. who cares get your five-year deal get a hundred-year deal i know you can't do that in the nba but you're gone. Like, it's not like the idea of Kawhi signing that extension. We were all sitting here going, yeah. oh, oh, he's going to be gonna, a free agent. He's, he's going to see yeah, quickly right. and bear it, and he's going to want to run it back this time without yeah. all the guys. We don't think that way. So I look at it as, again, it's a very weird space for the Raptors to be in compared to Kawhi Leonard and the Clippers, but it's the Mad Men. Like, I don't think about you at all. Maybe that's too strong, but... I don't look at it as some twist the knife. Like maybe they tried to cook it up that way, but it just doesn't but ring why would any type. I mean, there should be animosity headed that way with the way Lawrence Frank was in yeah. Toronto for God, like all the home games yes. in 2018, 2019. But and there's he, no tampering in the NBA. Right. And and the way that Kawhi tried to, you know, play his hand uh, during that free agency period, there should be animosity headed his direction mm-hmm. and the Clippers' direction yep. from Musai Ujiri, despite mm-hmm. the fact that they they still have, you know, rings on their fingers because yep. of Kawhi Leonard. Well, just one. I don't know. Is there is there reason for the Clippers to feel that way towards the Raptors? I don't think Kawhi does. Like, I don't think if, if in fact, there is anything more than, hey, just circumstance yeah. 
the, the Kawhi Leonard's three-year extension happens to be announced at the, the time that his former franchise is in town. But, I mean, is there is there any reason for the Clippers no, to it's feel weird like timing. sticking it to the Raptors? No, but it's also weird timing. Like, you could have mm. picked literally any other day on the calendar to do it, and it wouldn't have been this story. I think it is just happenstance. I think this is a bunch of parties that this date works out in a weird happenstance way. I don't think there's any benefit to the Clippers to stick it to the Raptors. I don't think Kawhi cares one way or another, but yeah, it's odd. Like I had, I didn't think about it at all until Grange mentioned it. Then I thought about it a lot, but I just think, honestly, I think it's gotta be just happenstance. Maybe. I mean, if I was going to make the case for it being more than just happenstance, sure. I would say that the, the Clippers haven't won anything with Kawhi Leonard, mm. right? If anything, they've been a colossal disappointment with yeah. him. And the, there was a scenario where he's missing a full season. And you're like, oh, my God, is this guy ever going to be healthy for a postseason? That this is one of the colossal fa- failures in the history of the sport. And if you were Steve Ballmer, you're like, the one victory we have is getting Kawhi Leonard. And, like, let's celebrate that championship against the team that it will hurt most against in the, in, in the Raptors. But it's pretty petty. But yeah, that's that's where that's the only place I can put my mind if if I'm if I'm looking for a reason for the Spurs to do that against the Raptors. Yeah. Or the the Clippers. Yeah, and uh just just what we're talking about, you know, their championship there, you know, GM LeBron, rightfully so, eats it a lot because GM LeBron makes some questionable decisions. Mm-hmm. GM Kawhi Leonard trading away Shea Gilgis Alexander. Yeah. Forget everything else involved. Just that guy yeah. in and of itself. Playoff P was pretty good though yesterday. Oh, God, he was so good down there. It was <laughs> that was a nice reminder game. You know, I think I think Paul George is one of these guys who we all write. Sorry, for, podcast P. Podcast P now. That's a hey. He's a tremendous NBA player. You saw it last night, but mm-hmm. those clips that percolate my Instagram feed of him just shooting the breeze or, mm-hmm. you know, not what he would call it, but I, he was remarkable down the stretch. You know, he's a guy who I think we think this a lot about guys who are a, a true second banana. Like sometimes they're ah, one, a one B, but no, when Kawhi Leonard's on your team, like you are always going to fall in line behind that just in terms of what you are as a basketball player. And he took over last night. I mean, he had the dagger three that Kawhi set him up for. There was a play where Schroeder tried to flop and Kawhi, or uh, uh, Paul George just drove baseline, absolutely yammed on, on whoever it was at the rim that there. That was right after the Raptors took an offensive foul at yeah. the other end that looked very similar to, to, to Paul George and, and the no call. But anyways, sorry, not to not to hey, take away from that. No, I no, will buddy, say you lo- that you- I'm on high alert, especially when the Raptors start the game down 6-1 in foul discrepancy in the first quarter. Yeah, I, I don't want the Raptors to become the whiner team, right? Well, there is a danger become. of that, too. They ju- they've had <sighs> three months where they haven't been. Mm-hmm. Nick Nurse just left. Right. He was whiner thing. emeritus. Right. He still is. And, and yeah, and that did trickle down. Like, the, God, the, what the do you players think did Nick take Nurse... their lead from the leader of that team. We didn't talk about this at all yesterday. Nick Nurse, who, uh, you know, I'm not going to say he doesn't know, not going to go full torts saying he doesn't know Darko from a hole in the wall, but I don't know that they, like, know each other or have crossed paths before. How proud must he have been mm. watching that? He got God, I never, I, I did it a little bit every day. Mm. I should have saved it up and done one of those. Look how, look how beloved he mm. is, whereas everyone going, oh, Nick Nurse, you're, you're dumb gift faces. We're sick and tired of it. You're complaining mm. all the time. And hand up. I was sick and tired of the complaining all the time either. But it, it, can you imagine being Nick Nurse, who, again, like, he's got bigger fish to fry. He's doing just fine in Philly. I don't think he's, like, mm. too 
you know, bogged down by this, but we just talked about complainer Nick Nurse and always whining about the refs all the time towards the end of his tenure, rightfully so, and he turns on ESPN and it is nothing but, look at Darko defending the Raptors, who, have, who we all know have never got a call in their life. All of a sudden, everything we've been saying about NBA officiating became true after Darko mm-hmm. put it all to light. I, I'd be lying if I wasn't thinking about Nick Nurse a little bit after that rant. Yeah, and Nick Nurse was a star because he was he was a head coach of a Raptors team that won the franchise's first ever championship and the box and one stuff against Steph Curry and the Warriors in the finals. Um, he was a known commodity. I mean, mm-hmm. that that put him For sure. on the world stage, and now he's with an MVP and mm-hmm. Joel Embiid on a, another team with, with championship aspirations. I mentioned this during the show yesterday that it felt like that was a... a not a star turn for Darko Ryakovich because he's not a mm-hmm. star now, but it was like, hey, welcome to the NBA moment for this guy. And we we did that show. Like, we were the first show to yep. react to, like, just honestly, like, it felt like minutes after really Darko Ryakovich went on that tirade. It was at 6 in the morning, the game ended at 1, and, and he did his tirade maybe at 1.30, 2 o'clock. Anyways, we got to watch it play out throughout the course of the day. And like I said, the talking head shows, it was going to be a major storyline. It was. I mean, PTI. I mean, look at all the major U- yep. U.S. Um, sports shows. It was one of the lead items when Stephen A. Smith was, wasn't taken down Jason Whitlock. Uh, <laughs> it, I actually missed that. I'll have to go. Uh, have to go. Oh, my God. Yeah, I, somehow, Were you not on the Internet yesterday? Somehow, no. I Apparently not, I guess. I don't Holy know. cow. Yeah, no, we'll be listening to okay, that in the break. thank you. Because they're... <laughs> It's very, that's like, that's, that's super bullseye for me in terms of my internet interest as well. Uh, Anyways, so yeah, Darko's on the, on the world map. He went from, he went from being one of the new hires who pokes around in the league for a while. Again, pick your league that you follow the most that you care about. You hear of a coaching hire. And if it's a guy who has the resume Darko has, who again, I'm not disparaging it, but okay, good development guy. He's coached in the G league. He's been an assistant here or there. He's just one of these guys you don't think of until he has a moment. And sometimes that comes in a playoff series. And for Darko, it came at the podium. So, yeah, awesome. Welcome to the NBA moment. Not for him, but it was a welcome to Darko moment for everybody else. Yeah. I think now you can you can ask just a casual NBA viewer, mm-hmm. like who the head coach of the Raptors are. Okay, is, and here's they, a, here's they a fun have game. an answer for you now. If I say Darko... <laughs> Does the NBA fan, like if you're do, doing the like Google fill in the blank, yeah. do they think Milicic or coach? Yeah, I think today now they, they, they think Coach Darko. Yeah. Ryakovich. All right. Anyways, we'll come back around. To, I did say, to I did say it yesterday. I was so proud. I know. That was a, that was a nice little build up to that when yeah. you did that. Anyways. I guess our wins games though. Mm-hmm. Want me to stick with it? Yeah, they've done all right. Uh, they're 500 now with uh, the new players. One more game on this road trip before they come home for the nice respite of getting the Boston Celtics who have yet to lose at home this season. And the richest man in the city of Toronto when he gets here, Eric Spolstra, is a heater right after. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, a tough little uh, return to home action after this one. But a trial by fire for the new dudes. All right, when we come back, maybe Dennis Hildeby doesn't get into a game at all this season. Seems pretty clear that the Maple Leafs are making that uh, adjudication. Ilya Samsonov is back as a... Uh, the Leafs get set to uh, take on the Islanders on Long Island tonight. We'll get into that more next as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Annis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Big guests and bigger opinions on everything happening in Leafsland. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Joe Sports Time 590 the fan Ben and his friend gunning. Good news. Ely Sampson offices, he's fixed. It just took mm, a, a, uh, a week away. I'm in, no, I'm in a quibble. I don't. I'm not there yet, Ben. No, he's, bold of you. He's fixed. Brave must, of you. Must, must be fixed, right? Why else would he be recalled to the National Hockey League? He will not play tonight. He will back up Martin Jones, who will uh, continue to get mm. an opportunity to extend this winning streak to five games yeah. against a much tougher opponent than the back-to-back against the San Jose Sharks, and then mm-hmm. before that, the Ducks, and maybe on par with the Los Angeles Kings. But Ilya Samsonov was brought back up to the National Hockey League level. Mm-hmm. Part of that was also sending uh, Dennis Hill to be back down mm-hmm. to the American League, where are he you will gonna, be... Are you going to be okay? Mental health check on you. Yes, fine. I, I, I've been yeah. dying for the Hill to be. I would want to see him would, roaming free. Would have loved to have seen it. He's, he's an AHL All-Star. He was also named to the All-Star game yesterday. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's a two-pronged thing. They want to get Dennis Hill to be some, some game action, which mm. he hasn't gotten any of since he's been here uh, with the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I guess this is a return to the NHL level for, well, I mean, quite factually it is not in a game yet. And we don't know when that will happen. Mm-hmm. We assume it, somebody other than Martin Jones is starting in one of those back-to-back games against the Avalanche and Red Wings over the weekend. But yeah, it's a two-pronged thing. Let's, let's actually play the clip from, from mm-hmm. Sheldon Keefe yesterday talking about the mentality behind sending Dennis Hill to be down and calling Ilya Samsonov back up. Uh, well, he'll come on the trip with us uh, here. Um, he'll back up tomorrow night. Uh, today was really just a chance for us to get him in here, get him back into practice with us, get him back on the ice with Curtis Sanford and, and really see where he's at uh, since we've left. Um, so uh, it's partly about that, but it's uh, equally, if not more, about Dennis Hill to be, quite honestly, who... Uh, we gave the day off to today, assigned to the Marlies, but a day off today, chance to practice with the Marlies tomorrow while we're away and then get a game in with the Marlies on Friday. So that's that's really what it's about. But uh, um, at the same time, it gives us a chance to, to assess Ilya and, and give him an opportunity to, to get back with the group. Okay. You gotta, you gotta love when it's really all about the kid who's never played an <laughs> NHL game before. You gotta love when that's what it's all about. I don't even disagree that that's what it should be all about but if that doesn't tell you everything you need to know about where the Leafs are at on Samsonov I don't know what to tell you I suppose there is the school of thought that you want to keep expectations as low as possible so that you're not pumping the tires too much but I that just tells me everything I need to know about this team's belief in him being an NHL goaltender for them in the well, I was going to say foreseeable future, but the foreseeable future is what's left on the contract. And I don't know how much uh, tread there is left on those tires. We'll see. Somebody's going to be starting on Sunday against the Detroit Red Wings. And at this point... It's... Oh, I'm not saying it can't be him. I just think that this might be a last gasp. Yeah, and what if he's brutal again? Like, what What if he's... Last time we saw him, which was two weeks ago, I think tomorrow... Jackets. Against the Columbus Blue Jackets, totally sewering a pretty good road effort by his Leafs team mm-hmm. in front of him. And they got a point, but lost in overtime. What if he's equally brutal? Like, what if he is awful, awful, unplayably bad? Because the Leafs, when they sent him down, yep. it's, not, it's not like, well, you know, at least we have this guy who's playing well at the American League level. Immediately when Dennis Hildeby was called up, Brad True Living said, not mincing any words, like explicitly, this is not where we mm-hmm. want this guy. <laughs> this guy doesn't belong here right now. Should be in the American League level. Yep. Uh, but we're so put between a rock and a hard place that we got no choice but to, to, to remove this 
fella from the pressures of the National Hockey League. If upon return, he looks like the same guy. Now, where do you find yourself? I'll tell you where you find yourself. Trade absolutely. You had you had you're not the most desperate because there's some teams out there who mm-hmm. don't even have one single viable Michael starter. Hutchison got signed. Right. But you're one of the, the top two, three teams as far as desperation level to make a move on the goaltending market. And you you signal to the rest of the NHL world that you are one of those teams. Yeah, it definitely does. But I don't know that that signal, like, I suppose to us it would be more obvious. But guess what? Everybody else pays attention to the league, too. They can go look at game logs and see that Dennis Hildeby hasn't played a lick. And do you think that other teams are sitting there going, oh, you know what? The Leafs aren't desperate yet. When they bring Samsonov back up and he stinks again, then well, they'll truly is, be desperate. I mean, this is secondarily why Dennis Hildeby should have gotten in one of these games, right? Like, even if he puts forth a decent effort in a victory against the Sharks, as right. bad as the Sharks are, you can be like, well, at least, like, this guy, you know, isn't totally mentally broken, like, mm-hmm. is capable of doing an Eric Schalgren impression in the National Hockey League, right? Like, you, you don't – there's – what you've already signaled is that you are so you are loath to play that guy, even on the back end of back-to-backs against the Ducks or in any of those two mm-hmm. games against the Sharks. And you have another guy that was so bad and making the most money of the three of the goalies that have started for you in the National Hockey League that you are willing to send him through waivers and get him away from this team uh, because the possibility of him playing in another mm-hmm. game over that span was too much for you to bear. I think it would have taken some of the pressure off and would have signaled to the rest of the league that, like, okay, there's at least the possibility of another option. What you've told them is, like, we're not playing Dennis Hill to be the NHL level this year. I understand what you're saying. I just think that the kid coming in and treading water for a start doesn't immediately change the temperature on what those trade calls are looking like or what teams are asking for for your placeholder goalie X. I think that's uh, that. That's just where my mind falls on it. The other thing with Samsonov, and I don't want to stray too far from the goaltending part of this, and it looks like it ended up being okay, but you know, I'm a big believer in curses, voodoo, luck, mm, juju. The nice thing? Uh, the second he gets called up, uh, it's like there were back-to-back tweets on my timeline. Not actually, because they were like an hour and change apart, but it was least ever called Ilya Samsonov, and Matthew Nyes is hobbling mm. off the ice, needing help from his teammates. The curse of Ilya is what I texted to a, a couple of buds there. It was not lost on me that the second that happened, the kid who was really coming into his own and Mm -hmm. taking big strides. Now, again, seems like the Leafs skirted disaster on that. Keefe seemed to think he'd be okay. There's some belief maybe he plays tonight. Matthew said he saw him hobbling around. It was okay, but man, that looked scary, scary, scary. Yeah, that was surprising to see that it's, you know. It's just fine? Yeah. (laughs) What? (laughs) Yeah, helped off the ice, and maybe it's just, yeah, for precautionary purposes, and, and, and maybe be, Matthew Nyes was afraid. Like, that's what I was going to hey, say. If I put any weight on this yeah. thing, like maybe I am going to tear it. But yeah, it was not. It was not lost on me that within hours of them, the team that is, and I know they haven't had necessarily picture perfect injury health this year, but it's like it's been a really nice run for them lately. Basically, since they sent Samsonov away, and the mm-hmm. second he comes back, yet you have that happen. I I do think that this means we see him in the game on on the weekend. I don't, you know, I understand they want to get Hill to be back in, but I don't think you call him up here just to sit there and wear a ball cap for four, five, six days, whatever it ends up being. I think it's nine games between now and the All-Star break. People have kind of conservatively looked at after the All-Star break as maybe a time when you could see Joe Wall again. You have a back-to-back Sunday. You have a back-to-back the next one after that. Can you afford to play him twice and give Jones the net the rest of the way and then see where you're at when Wall's back. Like 
they've treaded water this far. It's eight or nine games with maybe one or two starts. Do you think that it's just as simple as that and all this goaltending trade talk is kind of overblown? He's that's, start that's, on where my, that's where my mind goes. He, Ilya Samsonov is starting on Sunday. That, to me, is 100% guarantee. Is Not that the Leafs would be afraid of losing him on waivers. They weren't the first time. And obviously, yeah, the They'd league indi- indicated... They would be thankful. Yeah, the league indicated that, no, they, they don't see something that the rest of us aren't seeing. That, you know, this guy appears to be broken this season until he proves otherwise. And secondarily to that, you're not just, like, bouncing him up and down the AHL level and, and you know, messing with, with guys in, in that fashion. He's going to be starting on Sunday. I, uh, I don't know if you saw this, but just with the mental aspect of it as well, he, Keith was asked yesterday about not making him available and just paraphrase. Well, this part is an exact quote. You all are fine people. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of paraphrasing, but just going, yeah, it's a play issue, but it's more a mental issue and mm. you guys ain't helping. So I, I don't know if John Tortorella thinks the media are fine people. We'll get to that <laughs> in a little bit. Uh, also, if- I, don't, don't tease me like that. I could, I honestly, I could do a Philly hockey show this week. I could have done three hours on everything happening with the Flyers. They have been one of the most interesting teams in sport for the better part of a week. Yeah. And they're relevant again. Uh, come up with an overtime victory over the uh, Montreal Canadiens yesterday. So also of note, <laughs> Big win. yeah, Good all, for them. Uh, also of note, Elliot Friedman with a report on sportsnet.ca that Corey Perry uh, met with Gary Bettman on Tuesday of this week. It was a little fridge bomb. I didn't expect that one just out of the blue. No, and not that this changes things because I guess he was always available to to sign anywhere in the National Hockey League, but this is more like an uh, official signal to all 31 other teams in the NHL. Yeah, I don't think he's going back to Chicago. <laughs> that, that Corey Although Perry, they need an all-star representative, so no, yeah, I'm, jo- I'm joking. Yeah, uh, Corey Perry is out there and and ready to be signed. He's an unrestricted free agent because his contract has just been voided mm-hmm. in Chicago. So it's starting from scratch with this player, a player that has haunted the Toronto Maple Leafs a couple of times <sighs> during the postseason, but at last check, he was on the losing end of a postseason series mm. um, playing for that, that Lightning team the Leafs beat in six games. Does he make sense for the Leafs? Less sense than he would have made before Reeves got hurt and they kind of figured out that bottom six and fourth line. I'm not saying he doesn't make sense. I still think that he is, you know, obviously the Cal Dubas made bigger mistakes in his time as Leafs GM. Uh, we don't need to relitigate them. But the idea of Corey Perry, of all the veterans who know how to win or, well, at least know how to get to cup finals and lose that were brought in, the idea of Corey Perry potentially having interest here and them passing, however that played out, that's always feels like the one that got away. But I don't know that it is the absolute necessity that I would have felt early on in the year. I kind of like what they've got going on with Camp and Gregor and McMahon in that bottom role. And I don't know of those three guys who I like to move up if the idea is you're getting rid of Nick Robertson. This isn't me saying Corey Perry would not find a home. I absolutely think he would, but I don't think it is the absolute slam dunk necessity it would have been when Reeves was taking regular shifts and he was in the lineup on a regular basis. The other part of this as well is that I don't think... Not, I, I don't think Corey Perry is one of these guys who is afraid to play in Toronto or the market or anything like that. I think it's the exact opposite. I think he would love it. But I think that given everything that happened there and the questions swirling around it and the lack of certainty we still have regarding everything that happened in Chicago, I'd be floored if he doesn't end up on a good team in a quiet market beating the Leafs with the Florida Panthers in the playoffs. I guess. I mean, to me, if I'm him, 
and the Leafs do come calling, that's that's the perfect scenario for you, right? Like, and I don't know what kind of direct answers you're going to give. Like, what? Where is the transparency with what happened? Because that's the thing. I was like, oh, we talk about this today, and I go, like, people going to be upset that we're defending Corey Perry or advocating for the the local franchises? I I don't know what he did. Like, I mean, something. Gary Bettman said it's okay. Yeah, go yeah, talk to I, him. I, I mean, maybe if we got the details, I'd be like, that is so egregious. You shouldn't have anything to do with Corey Perry. M- maybe we don't, we don't know. We know it's bad enough that the Chicago Blackhawks were able to void his contract and that he admitted some level of culpability, right? Like mm-hmm. didn't say this is outrageous, but there is still time for the PA to file a grievance towards the Blackhawks for their avoiding uh, the contract. We also understand the circumstances of that franchise in mm-hmm. particular yes. being a little more sensitive than the other 31, c- considering the recent history, considering the mm-hmm. wins and losses aren't all that important no. to this team. PR wins. Yes. This this season, Corey Perry at last check, though, had four goals and, and nine points in 16 games. Like I, As much as I have also enjoyed the cromulence of the, the fourth <laughs> line for the Maple Leafs, Corey Perry still got a scoring touch, right? Like mm-hmm. Corey, Corey Perry's... Corey Perry's better than Bobby McMahon, okay? Like, I'm sorry. Like, I, no offense. Like, yeah. no, Corey Perry, hockey player Corey Perry helps you way better, especially if considering the rehab nature of, of uh, him looking to change his image and get back in the good graces mm-hmm. of the NHL, probably not signing a $5 million uh, prorated <laughs> yeah, deal, right? Not. Like, looking at, at the league minimum for the remainder of this season, I think the Leafs would be insane not to be looking at Corey Perry right now. I want to, I, I, it's good that you reset this because I want to be clear. Yes, I think a fourth line with Corey Perry on it is a better version of a fourth line than what the Leafs have been running out. I just don't think it is the, oh my God, we got to get a warm body in here that it was when they were choosing to go 11 and seven a mm-hmm. lot of the times earlier on in the year. And if it is, if you're asking me what I would like, Again, given the lack of details surrounding this, I have no choice but to look at it as Corey Perry, hockey player who has tortured the Leafs in the playoffs for the last half of his NHL career. Yes, yes, would love that guy. I just, you know, I was listening to Kipper and Bourne talk about this and a shocker. I was listening to, to them yesterday and I just, I, you know, Kipper knows things or at least understands things better than, than I and he, he was talking about it like there is zero chance of this happening. So to me... Because of the market? like Because of the market, because of the questions that would surround, because of the circus that if you're Corey Perry, would it be amazing to be a Leaf and win here and all that? Yeah. Yes, we've gone over it a thousand times. You know what else would be pretty nice? Go wear flip-flops to the rink and be a uh, okay. Panther yeah, and go that, play with Matt That's the Kachuk. case for everybody, yeah. right? And it would be a circus in the immediate aftermath of him signing. And no doubt, like, the, there would be a well-attended mm-hmm. media conference, as every media conference is for every player ever signed by the Toronto Maple Leafs. But... If, if if there are answers that are... But the Corey Perry one, it becomes not... And I again, we don't know, so right. I don't want to be casting aspersions, but because of the franchise that it happened with and because of the uncertainty, Corey Perry is not answering questions from Frege and from Luke. I mean, he is, but there's also like... City news here. What happened with that? Right. Like, yeah, yeah, but that's one day. This is what I'm going to say. Like, so he does that for one day, and either well, I don't he's think it's just a him. I don't think it's just a him thing. Sure, this organization. Yeah, and this, you know what you say, and yeah. and and if, I mean, you only say this if you believe it. And again, mm-hmm. I, I guess they they would know. Maybe. But you would say like we've evaluated what happened in Chicago. We talked to Corey. We understand that he's you know he's a changed man, and there was some indication that it was alcohol fueled, and there's been some. Mm-hmm. 
some realization of some issues for Corey Perry, and you say this is a different guy. Like he understands the ills of his ways, and we we feel confident in in our belief that he's a different dude today than yep. he was in Chicago. There's there's a way to do this. Like don't talk like there's no way for this to be messaged here. Again, we're, I'm talking from a place of no direct mm-hmm. knowledge of what exactly happened in Chicago. I think if you're Corey Perry, you would you would love to have your one day where it's like, oh man, this is top item news story in the NHL, but then it's over. Like rip the band-aid off and it's done. Because I think that's what it would be. I I don't know. Unless unless more information comes out after that and you're like, oh, Leafs blew it. Like they 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 said this guy it wasn't so bad. And X, then we y, actually Z, do get details great. on it. It was horrible. Well, I think that's the and again, I want to be super clear about this, not casting aspersions because we don't know, but I think a team that, and th- again, like we talk about, you know, I have buddies of mine who joke about, oh, Kyle Dubas never won a Stanley Cup, but he wins the PR Cup every single year. Yeah, it wasn't just Kyle Dubas who wanted to win the PR Cup all the time. There's a lot of people in that organization and a lot of them are still here. I'm not disagreeing with the idea from a hockey perspective, eat the headache, but just look at the way this organization operates. They try to keep things. It's the Leafs. It can't be quiet, but they try to keep things relatively tame. They do not want the circus. If if he's going to end up in a Canadian team, I bet it's the Oilers. That would be the one that makes the most sense to me. They've done the image rehab thing with Kane before. Yeah. Ready-made fit. Boy, we, we knew the explicit details of that thing. It was not good. No, exactly. And they've eaten it before. And this is the difference is that, yes, Edmonton, it's a hot market. It's a Canadian market. It's Edmonton. Mm. You want to talk about a for real one-day news story? That's Actually, that's not true. It'll be a two-day news story. Uh, have the Oilers made their trip here yet? That's mm-hmm. the only way it becomes a secondary, a second-day news story outside of Edmonton there. So I... I don't disagree with anything you're saying. I'm just trying to soften the landing for everyone out there going, Brad, because I texted this yesterday to a friend of mine, Brad, get on the phone and bring me Corey Perry. I'd like to see it, but I want to soften the blow for everybody out there. I don't think it's happening. Sure, I don't think it's happening. Oh, okay. You could have um, said that earlier before we talked in circles all this time. No, I don't think we're talking circles. And I, 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 don't, I don't think I came off my opinion that I think it should happen. Okay. Um, again, not knowing the 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 explicit details. The other element of this thing we haven't talked about, we talked about Ryan Reeves not being in the lineup and mm. the, the pressing need not being there on the fourth line. But, yeah, Ryan Reeves and Corey Perry did have a tete-a-tete mm-hmm. earlier this season when uh, Corey Perry was playing games for Chicago Blackhawks. That's right. Is that, no. Does that in, at God, all no. in, uh, uh, impact the... the th- the conversation no, it's you're like having added, about Corey Perry? It's like an added benefit to have two of them on your mm. team as opposed to just I one. I mean, they have to share a, a locker room together. They might have to share a stall because they don't even play on the same yeah. nights. I'm joking. They have obviously more than enough stalls. But, yeah, I don't think that part of it, that part leads anything into it. Let me put it this way. If John Tavares could get over Corey Perry being on the team, and I think he would, I think Ryan Reeves could could handle it as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's true. And I think generally you go through the history of all pro sports and some of the, the ugly things that have been said between players um, and then those players having to to share a locker room or a clubhouse before mm-hmm. in Major League Baseball and whether it be David Price and and well, David Ortiz. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, like the, there's, there's been... There's been lots of mending of fences once people understand that, hey, we're millionaire athletes, both mm-hmm. trying to achieve the same goals that I think everybody could put it aside, especially when you're not talking about guys that are 
as much as I, I think Corey Perry has impacted the postseason chances of a bunch of teams mm-hmm. in three straight cup finals before last season with uh, the Lightning and mm-hmm. losing in six games to the Leafs. Like, yeah, it's obviously not a significant, like when you're talking about the, the four-headed monster at the top of the pay scale for the Maple mm-hmm. Leafs. Like that, yeah. It's it's a while down the pecking order before you get to a Corey Perry discussion. But I yeah, I do. I tend to think that those those personality conflicts can be put aside once everybody understands that this is happening and there's no choice. Yeah, I don't even think it's a conflict. I think there's conflict when they're not on the same team. And then generally speaking... I mean, it was pretty explicit that Ryan Reeves said, I don't like that guy because he doesn't drop the gloves. Like, he says a lot of stuff and doesn't back it up. Yeah, but guess what? He doesn't care if Corey Perry drops the gloves if he's on his team. That mm-hmm. is a like that is a I dislike you the way you go about your business. I dislike what you stand for. But guess what? I don't really care what you stand for because mm. you're standing beside me. Like I think that stuff gets mended so quickly, so easily. And again, uh, let's say let's just live in the world where the Leafs say it is. Forget goaltending. Forget defense. Priority one. We must sign Corey Perry. I imagine Ryan Reeves and him together, kumbaya, pretty pretty easily. Yep. Uh, I don't think it's going to be kumbaya between John Tavares and the Islanders fans tonight or ever again. You don't think tonight, you don't think tonight's the night they say, all right, Johnny, we love you. Probably not. When, when they, they wouldn't stop booing even when he scored his (laughs) thousandth point. Probably, probably not going to happen. Anyways, we'll get into that and more next as the fan morning show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, the fan.